Hi everyone, thanks for joining us again at the First Love Ministries at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville, Illinois. Reverend Jonathan Warren has titled his sermon today, Letting It All Go. The liturgist you'll be hearing today is Julie Berninga. Our special music titled, The Whole World in His Hands, is performed by the Women's Ensemble. Our first scripture reading comes to us from Psalms 126. And our gospel reading is Mark 10, 46 through 52. Let us prepare our hearts for scripture by saying the prayer for illumination together. Lord God, pour out your spirit upon us to bring good news to the oppressed and let your word be fulfilled among us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Amen. The scripture reading is from Psalm 126. Let us listen to the word of God. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we rejoice. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is the word of God.
Our gospel reading comes to us from Mark chapter 10, beginning with the 46th verse. Let us listen to the word of God. They came to Jericho as Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, Call him here. And they called the blind man, saying to him, Take heart, get up, he is calling you. So throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, What do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, My teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, Go, your faith has made you well. Immediately he regained his sight and followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I was watching this TED Talk, and a doctor told their son, Brian, that, they had an eye, that he had an eye condition called Stargardt's disease, which causes blindness over time. This doctor said at first they lose his center of vision and then keep the periphery, and he suggested to these parents that he might learn Braille now before he went fully blind. When they shared this news with their son Brian, they went out for ice cream and a movie, and they shared this advice telling Brian this, maybe you're not going to have the best of sight, but you were given more brains instead. And Brian and his younger brother Bradford, who also finds out that he has Stargardt's disease, realized that while this wasn't true, what their parents had said, that they had more brains, it was a fantastic lie to tell a little kid. So in this TED Talk, they asked their parents, eventually as they age, what did you mean by telling us this? And they said visual impairment was never going to be an excuse for them, for, their, for living their lives. It wasn't going to dictate what they did. Now, as kids, it wasn't actually that easy. Uh, Brian shared about a school lunchtime he had when a kid was teasing him and asked him, can you see? He, of course, lied and said he could. How many fingers am I holding up? He remembered most people would always put up two fingers when they asked that question. So while it was easy to answer, it still stung. He couldn't see those fingers. Bradford said he got tired after years of sitting two feet from the chalkboard. So on the first day of high school, he sat at the very back of the room. He didn't want to be the blind kid anymore. Eventually, the teacher called on him to do the problem uh, that was on the board. He had learned some tricks to get teachers to tell him what was actually on the board in order to appear sighted. And his first strategy was ambiguity. So he'd ask the teacher, what problem exactly? That didn't work. Then he'd ask, what are the numbers you're asking exactly? There's a lot going on here. Very clever, huh? That didn't work. 
Next strategy in his arsenal was to play dumb. He felt that being blind was much worse than being dumb. So he told the teacher, I'm sorry, Mr. Folo, I, I just don't know how to do it. The teacher replied, you don't. It, it's simple division. Come on. And on the first day of the school, none of his strategies worked, and his head fell slowly to his desk, and he admitted in shame to Mr. Folo, to his class, and to even himself that he couldn't see. In today's Bible story, we meet Bartimaeus, a blind beggar who's sitting by the side of the road. If it's hard to be visually impaired or blind for Brian and Bradford today, it was near impossible for a blind beggar in Jesus' time. As one scholar says, Bartimaeus represents the poorest amongst the poor. Although the narrative does not offer more details, the reader realizes that he is a liminal character who's outside the city, outside of the path, outside of the light, outside of the economy. Bartimaeus, like many beneficiaries of Jesus' healing, embodies the effects of social exclusion. We should also keep in mind that such a position most likely kept Bartimaeus from having a household. In this situation, men would not be able to form a family, work to sustain himself and his dependents, or fulfill some obligations proper to civic and religious life. So when Bartimaeus finds out that Jesus is on his path, outside of the city, he cries out for mercy. He doesn't need to literally see Jesus to know that he's the Messiah. Somehow he gets something right, way better than any of the apostles ever did. The crowd pushed him aside and away his whole life, sternly orders him to be quiet, reminding him again that he doesn't count. I don't know if you noticed this, but Bartimaeus wasn't born blind. We get this clue when he answers Jesus saying, let me see again. So Bartimaeus knew at one point what it was like to be part of a community, to be included, which almost makes it worse. The exclusion, the shame, and the pain. In that time, scholars explained blindness as a consequence of sin, theologically, rather than the sins of his parents, which would have left him blind at birth. But imagine the crowd likely believes they're protecting Jesus from being bothered by an irredeemable sinner. And such a person is not expected to speak because he has nothing valuable to say. Even today, there are people around us who don't fit the neurotypical pattern. People all around us struggle with dyslexia, ADHD, Tourette's. Those are, there are folks on the autism spectrum there's many, many more. There are others around us who are hearing or visually impaired. And while this is a town especially aware of these struggles, it doesn't mean that we're immune from being part of the crowd who attempts to protect Jesus from these folks. Shame, hurt, and pain still occur. The truth is, the Bartimaeuses, the uh, Bryans, the Bradfords of the world still exist. 
These days, some might feel literally on the outside looking in. That's a shout out for our folks online. On the outside looking in. But it also might be folks who are here in our midst. We know this because some of us and or some of our families still might feel pushed aside or shamed. Now, even though Bartimaeus is pushed aside by the crowd, today he doesn't back down. He will not be deterred today from crying out to the Messiah. He knows who Jesus is. He knows that Jesus will see him. Bartimaeus' faith is phenomenal, and he knows even though he's blind that he's included in God's family, that Jesus has mercy for him. And then the best part of the story happens. Jesus stops for Bartimaeus. And to remind the crowd of their error, Jesus cleverly requires the crowd to tell him to come. The irony here is that blind Bartimaeus can see Jesus better than anyone else. And we know this because of what Bartimaeus does next. Bartimaeus has one possession. And it's of great value to him. It's his cloak. It's the very thing that will protect him from the elements, from the rain and the cold. His cloak can also be spread on the ground to collect money and to protect him from the ground. Yet when Jesus calls Bartimaeus, he doesn't hesitate. It says, throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. Now, this is in contrast to the story about the rich man who doesn't sell all he has. Bartimaeus doesn't hesitate. He gives up all he has in an instant. His cloak, his protection, his very possession. When Bartimaeus is called, it doesn't matter if he's healed or not, because right now he's included. He's given a place next to Jesus. He's now part of a community, and he's part of a family of Christ. He doesn't need to know if he will be extended mercy and love, because the very act of calling Bartimaeus means that he's been given mercy and love, much more than this crowd has ever given him. So he's willing to let it all go, to leave what he has behind. And he springs in his step because he has not only heard and seen, because the Messiah has already provided the very thing he needed the most, inclusion, Love and mercy. So healing his blindness is just icing on the cake at this point. Now let's fast forward to Brian and Bradford. After Bradford bowed his head in shame in front of his high school class, he decided at that moment to finally adopt a whole new strategy to embrace his visual impairment. So he and his brother did just that. And as adults, they lived in New York and decided to, this, this is a story they share, they decided to go shopping at Bloomingdale's. And this is how they describe it. I don't know how many people are aware of this, but when you're visually impaired and you go shopping, it's an absolute nightmare. You can't see labels, sizes, prices, colors are a huge issue. 
When we find something we like under our hand, we then do a full investigation. 45 minutes later, we walked out and realized that we had bought the same shirt. We both loved the touch and feel of it, and that's when a light bulb went off for them. We could make amazing clothing and donate 100% of the profits back to researchers to help cure blindness. That's when we started Two Blind Brothers. They say, we made a thousand shirts and begged our friends to buy them, but nobody did. We finally put a video online sharing our story, and the next morning, we got lots of hits, and a few million views later, people started buying our products. We created something to give you a chance to do what we do every day, trust. And here's how it works. You go to their website, twoblindbrothers.com, and they've hidden all the information, no product images, no descriptions, nothing except a price. And we ask you, will you shop blind? and then we will ship you something. Their message eventually spread to get them a seat next to Ellen DeGeneres on her show. And out of the show, they got this message. Thank you so much for all, all you are doing. My 12-year-old daughter was diagnosed last year. It's so nice to have someone like yourself that she is able to relate to. What an inspiration you are to so many. I watched your videos and you were able to describe exactly what she and I as a mother go through each day. Thank you. They eventually reached out to her, talked to her. She didn't want to join the soccer team because she didn't want to get embarrassed. But they finally convinced her that all they do is embarrassing and it's much better to be part of the team. And they say, we realize not only are we going to make shirts and give money to charity, but we actually were going to join people on their success journeys through visual impairment. And they close the whole thing with this. The big irony is that visual impairment has given more than it's taken away. It's helped us in these areas, how to deal with strangers, how to stand up to social pressures. It taught us mindsets like how to think creatively about a problem. It made us resilient to rejection. And that your greatest challenge is your greatest gift. In our Bible story, not only does Bartimaeus leave his cloak behind, but he literally lets everything go, leaving his entire past behind him. And he lives into the present, going with Jesus and his disciples. And when he's healed, when he's accepted, he follows Jesus on the way. On the way to Jerusalem. We know what happens next on this way, 
In the very next chapter of Mark, Jesus makes his triumphal entry on a donkey and allows Bartimaeus to see Jesus in his very last week on earth. And he's included among his disciples following Jesus to the cross. I don't know about you, but I could hear Bartimaeus sharing a message like Brian and Bradford. But it would sound like this. When Jesus came into my life, his love, mercy, and acceptance taught me how to deal with strangers, to treat them as my friends, how to stand up to social pressures, how to be resilient to rejection all around me. And that my greatest challenge became my greatest gift. Isn't that what Jesus wants for all of us? We're called to be a family. A family who accepts everyone. We're a family full of people who don't always fit the mold. We're called to encourage all, to let go of all the stuff that holds us back, and to know that Christ will accept all of us, no matter who we are, so that we recognize that we are part of Christ's family. We are part of the group who can follow Jesus on the way, on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to the cross, on the way to changing the world so that we all recognize that our greatest challenges are also our greatest gifts. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The congregation and visitors can now enter through the east or north doors. Our in-person service starts at 10 a.m. We do, however, ask that you keep your mask on while moving about in the building. In the sanctuary, there are two sections, one for vaccinated and one for unvaccinated individuals. The ushers will guide you to the section of your choice. Those in the vaccinated section can now sing without a mask. Join us at www.facebook.com slash slash and join our Monday First Pres Jacks community group, which meets at 7 p.m. every Monday. This is a question, answer, and sharing group with the pastor. This is a private room, and you will be asked a few questions before entering to make sure you are a human and not a robot. Presbyterians with a Purpose is another program available at the First Presbyterian Church of Jacksonville for individuals needing to contact someone during these challenging times of the pandemic. You can visit that link. Just visit our homepage and find the link for Presbyterians with a Purpose. We also offer a Sunday live service starting at 9.55 a.m. You can visit www.firstpresjacks.org slash donate and make your contribution there. Or 
Send contributions to First Presbyterian Church, 870 West College, Jacksonville, Illinois, 62650. You also can contribute to your bank using bill pay. If an account number is needed, please use 870-870-870. Our phone number is 217-245-4189. Our email is office at firstpresjax.org. That's office at F-I-R-S-T. P-R-E-S-J-A-X dot O-R-G. 